I'm Lone Candle. That, after 20 years, $88 billion spent on the Afghan army and militarized police, and $2.26 trillion spent on the war in total, the Afghan forces put up little to no resistance to the Taliban, shows that we were not even close to winning the war in Afghanistan. We were not close to having an Afghan government that could defend itself without U.S. military intervention. Our withdrawal resulted in the immediate collapse of the government and the takeover of the entire country by the Taliban. Let's be real. This war was lost a long time ago and nowhere near success. During the collapse, I was scrolling through Twitter and people were sharing articles from two years ago, five years ago, ten years ago, and so on. They used sources on the ground in Afghanistan, ranging from U.S. officers to U.S. military leaders to U.S. grunts to ambassadors to analysts to Afghans. They all described the myriad of ways that the Afghan government, military, and police were corrupt to the hilt. Many were in the Afghan military to make money rather than to defend their country. The count of the men was exaggerated by tens of thousands, if not more, so that officers could steal the pay of these non-existent men. Afghanis would take the equipment given to them to defend their country and instead sell it. They would falsely claim things were broken just to get a copy of the item. The Afghan government was too corrupt to be effective. I've seen many blame the Afghani collapse on the shocking morale hit of the U.S. leaving. No doubt, that had to hurt morale. But, the United States leaving was always going to hurt morale. That doesn't explain the complete collapse of the Afghan military. The failure to build an effective force after 20 years explains the collapse. I don't want to exaggerate. Over the years, Afghans fought and died against the Taliban. The Taliban killed 66,000. So, part of the explanation is a determined and clever enemy. While some Taliban members are motivated by pay, many are inspired by religious zeal. That commitment that makes its fighters willing to kill and die couldn't be consistently matched by the Afghans. The Taliban had a base in Pakistan to hide in, and the combination of the tribally divided Afghan people and mountainous terrain made it difficult for the central government to gain full control. People not paying attention may see Afghanistan and Iraq in a similar light, but they are very different countries. Iraq is a middle-developed country with three main factions. Afghanistan is undeveloped with many tribal loyalties and little in the way of nationalism. So, the Afghans had to unite and control a country that was inherently difficult to unite and control, while also fighting a strong enemy. Nevertheless, after 20 years, they weren't even close to being ready. People are often disingenuous when they argue for staying longer. They say or imply that we just need another year, or a few more years. But the evidence on the ground doesn't make the case for that at all. Other times, they just ignore how long it would take, which isn't an honest argument when asking for a country's blood and treasure. An honest argument for staying in Afghanistan should state that the United States will need to be there for 200 years. 
200 years of money funneled into the country and Americans killed and wounded. That's what it would take. While that number is arbitrary, it isn't an exaggeration. After 20 years, we weren't halfway there. A buttload of corruption and an immediate collapse isn't halfway there. We really don't know how long it would take. But the process of creating a nation and the institutions to support and defend that nation in a place like Afghanistan is a multi-generational project. Or, if the goal is just terrorist interdiction, that is no endpoint because there's no sign of the end of some Muslims being inspired to fight infidels and support brutal theocracies. If you want to say it's worth it for Americans to stay in Afghanistan, then argue why it's worth it to stay for 200 years. Arguing for a smaller amount of time is arguing for a fantasy that pretends the real costs of the effort will be much smaller than reality. Now, I think one can make this argument. It's not clear if the Taliban will allow terrorists like Al-Qaeda to organize and train for attacks on Western homelands. But if they do, then that may be a good argument to stay for 200 years. Preventing another 9-11 is a good thing. My point isn't to argue that Afghanistan isn't worth it, but to say, to make that argument, you got to argue for a 200-year commitment, not simply for not leaving right now. I sympathize greatly for the freedom of Afghanis, the rights of Afghanis women, and the depressing horror of living under a repressive Taliban regime. But it's not the United States' job to protect all people on earth from tyranny. We don't pay taxes primarily to protect citizens of foreign countries. If we can do it at minimal cost, if it is in our interest, then let's do it. But if it requires a 200-year commitment, no. That's not our responsibility. Despite all the power of the United States of America, that power is limited and growing relatively weaker due to the rise of foreign powers with huge populations. The United States doesn't have the ability to protect all peoples from tyranny. If the U.S. does so too often, it will weaken the limited power it has to the extent that it can't defend itself. Because of its basic values involving freedom, the U.S. can be a force for good in the world, but it can't if it saps too much of its strength in difficult battles defending people from their own tyrannies. The blame for Afghanistan's failure falls on every president that oversaw it. Joe Biden's withdrawal didn't cause the failure. It had already failed. But after 20 years of blood and treasure, the fault ultimately falls on the Afghans. It's their country. If they can't organize and fight sufficiently after 20 years of help, that's on them. About the failure of the withdrawal itself, seeing bad things happen doesn't mean someone screwed up. So let's make sure we aren't accepting the argument that because the Taliban took over so fast and the U.S. had to rush to get everyone out, that that means someone without hindsight 2020 could likely have prevented this. That said, it seems like the administration could have found a way to more quickly process the Afghanis qualified to flee to America, or to delay the pullout another few months and pull these people out before the troops. There was enough intelligence to know that the Taliban may take over quickly. Why not get out almost all the people we wanted, and then pull out the troops? 
Trump and Biden share blame for this as both were pulling out key forces before we got civilians out. Ultimately, Biden pulled out the final pieces, and this was the immediate cause of the Taliban's invasion success. So he needs to answer why he couldn't have delayed this until we got out the qualified civilians. Biden mentioned that the Afghan government advised him not to pull many people out, thinking that it could spark a mass panic or demoralize the military, and he said Afghans didn't want to leave yet, hoping the country could still survive. But are those really the reasons? It certainly feels like I'm living through Vietnam. The parallels are obvious, but let's not go too far. Afghanistan is not Vietnam. In Vietnam, over 58,000 Americans died compared to 6,000 in Afghanistan. That 6,000 number includes U.S. contractors. The number of Americans' lives paid matters, and the difference is huge. Vietnam was a complete failure. In the end, we didn't achieve any important objectives. At most, we made Russia and China spend resources on the war that they couldn't afford to lose. Afghanistan, on the other hand, achieved its initial objective. We really damaged Al-Qaeda. Much of their organization was destroyed and many of their members killed, hurting their ability to attack the homeland. We took a trove of information from captured computers, and eventually we even killed the face of the organization, Osama bin Laden. The equivalents aren't true for Vietnam, so don't let the similarities fool you. It is true that the U.S. hasn't suffered a casualty in a year and a half, but that's because the Taliban agreed not to attack us on the condition that we were pulling out. If it became clear that Biden decided to not keep Trump's bargain, U.S. deaths would have begun again. The war ending like this feels bad. It is bad. It may be that. Preventing Al-Qaeda or similar groups from organizing in Afghanistan makes staying in Afghanistan for 200 years worth it. But, if it isn't worth staying for 200 years, then it's not worth staying for one year. Whether leaving as we are now or in a few more years, the goals of creating a united democracy that can defend itself would not be achieved. By leaving, we save ourselves the money, lives, and wounds that would be required if we stayed longer. Well, I'm Lone Candle. Like me, comment me, love me. <laughs>